Welcome, Mr. Fatik. This is our third and final topic of conversation. In this podcast, we will return to the issue of land. Uh, we have so far looked at land, land market, property rights, optimizing the use, and other issues. There is one crucial uh, aspect left, and that is uh, land value capture or LBC in short, and uh, value capture financing or VCF in short. These two tools you know, that is LVC and VCF, have become buzzwords in recent years. My question to you is, what do these two terms mean and why there is a sudden interest in them? Thank you, Dr. Srivatsan. I will begin by clarifying that though LVC and VCF are interchangeably used, there is a subtle difference. LVC attempts to capture a part of the land value gain that occurs on account of state action. The revenue from such effort can be used for any of the state functions. In that case, it is not resulting in VCF. However, when LVC is used for financing particular projects, it results in VCF. In brief, VCF requires LVC as the precondition, but every LVC does not necessarily result in VCF. I am sure these points will be recur as we go ahead in our conversation. Um, what were the triggers for LVC and VCF to gain uh, importance in the last uh, decade? Infrastructure projects requiring large capital outlets, particularly metros, became a necessity. Conventional financing mechanism was seen to be inadequate. Simultaneously, the avenue of large-scale acquisition of land and thereby recouping the land value gains was no longer available. This triggered the search for alternative sources of funding infrastructure. In 2011, the high-powered expert committee appointed by the Ministry of Urban Development estimated the 20-year financial requirements for the provision of urban services and infrastructure and recognized the importance of land-based financing instruments as an important avenue for strengthening the finances of ULBs. In addition, the Working Group on Financing Urban Development in its report for the 12th five-year plan 2012-17 identified land leases, density authorization, land asset management, and developer exactions as land-based instruments to finance urban development. Simultaneously, in 2009, the report of the 13th Finance Commission of India underlined the importance of ensuring the proper use of land held by central, state, and local governments, as well as by the government-owned public sector undertakings or PSUs. Further, in 2014, Ministry of Urban Development commissioned a study on land-based fiscal tools to comprehensively survey the use of these tools in five states. The study's main recommendation was to introduce an urban infrastructure benefit tax to be levied at the time of granting development permission by the planning authority. The tax base was proposed to be the land and construction area 
and the rate was proposed to be a percentage of the fair market rate assessed for stamp duty purposes. Thereafter, in 2017, Ministry of Urban Development formulated a value capture finance policy framework and a national transit-oriented development policy that make a number of recommendations for LBC. The Metro Rail policy of 2017 also made it mandatory for the state governments to adopt LBC measures within the Metro Rail zones and ensure that revenues are directly credited to the accounts of Metro Rail development entities. At the same time, Ministry of Urban Development advised the smart cities SPVs to undertake city-specific studies to adopt LVC measures. Very recently, in 2020, NIUA has also brought out two knowledge products related to LVC and VCF in respect of metro financing. Uh, Mr. Fatak, uh, I'm sure you would agree that uh, though these two tools appear new, the idea to recover value accrued to land uh, because of government action is an old one, isn't it? That's true. As early as in 1848, John Stuart Mill, in his Principles of Political Economy, argued that the land values increase due to efforts of the community and not of the individual landowner, and therefore there is a valid justification for exacting such land value increments. Following Mill, Henry George in 1879 persuasively argued in his book Progress and Poverty that the entire rent that accrues to land could be exacted as the only tax. Towards the end of World War II, Uthwart Report in England took a different stand and proposed that the extent of development on a given plot of land should be decided by the plan and betterment charge should be levied for assignment of such development rights. Development rights are thus said to be nationalized in England. However, the fiscal measure, despite early attempts, could never be put into practice in England. Finally, the United Nations Conference on Human Settlement in 1976 reiterated that the unearned income accruing, to, accruing due to rise in land values caused by public investment should be recaptured by public bodies. Uh, this is the broad story, but uh, how did uh, LBC emerge in India? The earliest efforts in India are seen in the Improvement Trust legislation. Bombay Improvement Trust was established in 1898. The legislation enabled the trust to take up variety of improvement schemes and empowered it to recover betterment charge to the extent of 50% of the land value gain caused by the improvement schemes. The town planning legislation of 1915 in Bombay Presidency and 1920 of Madras Presidency provided for town planning schemes comprising plot reconstitution and appropriation of land for public purpose. The legislation also allowed for 50% of the increment in the value net of compensation for land as the contribution toward financing the scheme. Over the years, improvement trust withered away. The betterment levy in TPS also faced serious challenges and additional avenues for LBC had to be sought. 
As of now, there are two broad approaches to LBC and BCF. The first relates to land development and the second relates to fiscal measures. Well, Mr. Fatak, could you elaborate on the land development approach? LBC was always a concern of land policy. Government of India's urban land policy of 1965 highlighted that the land policy objectives, including the objective of LBC, can best be achieved by establishing public ownership of land by advanced land acquisition. Regional plan of Mumbai in 1970 recommended bulk land acquisition for planning and development of Navi Mumbai. DDA, Chandigarh, Gandhinagar, Navi Mumbai represent city-wide application of this approach. Advanced acquisition of land was a common thread in these cases. During the 1980s, resistance to compulsory acquisition considerably increased. Certain reforms that were introduced in Land Acquisition Act of 1894 made land acquisition in advance of use became difficult. During 1990s, the World Bank insisted upon the policy of involuntary resettlement in projects funded by it. In 2007, the R&R policy was adopted and finally in 2013, LAR Act was enacted. But by this act, the large-scale advanced acquisition as a main urban land policy approach that subsumed LVC lost its force. Since then, other land development measures are being promoted. Government, including their public sector undertakings, do own large tracts of land that are unused or suboptimally used. This was highlighted in the 13th Finance Commission in 2009. A World Bank study assessed the extent of underutilized public lands in Ahmedabad and also its potential market value. Despite such arguments, no cogent policy has emerged as yet, except that government of Punjab in 1997 had adopted a policy of optimum utilization of vacant government lands, OUVGL. The revenue from disposal of land was to be used for development and infrastructure works. Some of the Examples of LVC used as BCF are Navi Mumbai and Bandra Kurla complex. In both these cases, LVC revenues were used to finance railway and metro network. Amongst the international examples, Hong Kong's property development linked with metro development is noteworthy as both LVC and BCF. Um, you have so far described the land development approach to LVC. Uh, can we now sort of uh, discuss a bit on the fiscal instruments? While considering the fiscal instruments, the first and the foremost requirement is the enabling legislation. This is so because Article 265 of the Indian Constitution stipulates that no tax shall be levied or collected except by authority of law. Tax year must be seen in its generic sense, meaning any compulsory contribution to the government revenue. Therefore, various terms such as charge, duty, fee, premium, etc. are covered by this constitutional provision. Efforts to levy additional charge for financing infrastructure in Gujarat or charging premium 
for extra FSI in Mumbai have been struck down by the courts. Final instruments can be classified into three broad categories, general tax, benefit tax and fees. All these need enabling legislation. One exception is what is called regulatory fee, but in this case, the fee must relate to cost of regulation. Uh, Mr. Fatek, can we now uh, discuss each of these fiscal measures in some detail? And also, can you explain how this fits into our topic, uh, land value capture? Uh, maybe we can uh, start with the general tax. Yes. Income tax, GST, stamp duty are the examples of general taxes. The revenue accrues to the consolidated fund of union or the state government. The fund is then applied through budgetary provisions, but no specific purpose is assigned to a tax source. However, the education cess or surcharge levied on income tax has to be used for education alone. And in that case, it is an example of benefit tax. At the ULB level, property tax is the obvious example of a general tax, the proceeds of which can be applied to any of the functions of ULB through the budgetary provisions. Property tax in theory could be an instrument of LBC, particularly if its tax base, either the capital value or the rental value, is periodically updated. However, this does not happen in practice and therefore it is not seen as an LBC instrument. Moreover, almost by definition, it cannot be used as a direct VCF tool. How is benefit tax uh, different from general tax and can it be used as uh, VCF? In case of benefit tax, the purpose for which the proceeds can be applied is prescribed in law. However, there is no quid pro quo between the tax paid by a particular taxpayer and the benefits he may receive. For example, in Mumbai, water benefit tax is levied as a component of property tax on all properties and hence it relates to value of property. The total proceeds of the tax have to be used for improving and delivering water. However, the benefits may not be commensurate with the tax paid by individual property. Similar example is that of repairs levied on rent-controlled properties in Mumbai. Proceeds of this cess are to be available to the Mumbai Building Repairs and Reconstruction Board. It is therefore a benefit tax, but repair benefits may not be equivalent to cess paid. Let us consider more specific examples of benefit tax with reference to LVC and VCF. Tax increment financing is practiced in US. An infrastructure project is financed through municipal bond. Infrastructure causes rise in property prices and therefore in property tax. This increment in tax revenue is escrowed to service the bond for predefined number of years. Thereafter, the revenue reverts to normal account. This therefore is an example of both LVC and VCF combined in a single instrument. However, in Indian context, there is neither an enabling legislation nor is there any practice of TIF. Betterment charge as provided in the Improvement Trust legislation 
or in case of town planning scheme requires assessment of increased value of land on account of implementation of improvement scheme or tps <clears throat> a share of the land value increment is recovered as the betterment charge main challenge in this is the valuation and particularly the quantum of increased value that can be attributed to the scheme in theory this is supposed to be one time charge payable by all land owners in the scheme area however land owners are reluctant to pay the charge on assessed land value increase they are ready to pay the charge <clears throat> on realization of value increase at the time of undertaking development or at the time of transaction of property this is what is practiced in tps but by this its value as vcf diminishes in case of tps therefore an additional provision of appropriating 15% of the scheme area has been made the revenue from disposal of this land is used as lfc and vcf as in case of land development approach in mumbai metropolitan region development authority act there has been a provision for levy of betterment charge since 1975 this provision enables mmrda to exact 50% of the land value gain caused by the projects being implemented by mmrda however this provision has never been used till now development charge is perhaps the most ubiquitous fiscal tool currently deployed in india most town planning laws provide for this this is a charge recovered at the time of granting development permission the tax base is the area of land and area of construction the rate of charge is prescribed in absolute rupees separately for land and construction the rates once fixed in law are not periodically revised over the years the revenue becomes a token contribution towards infrastructure thus it is neither an effective lvc nor vcf maharashtra is an exception to this where instead of prescribing the rate in absolute rupees it has been linked to the market value of land this ensures some buoyancy in the revenue by being a lvc instrument development charge is broadly a benefit tax as the purpose to which it can be applied is prescribed by law as development charge is a one time charge it could be legitimately reserved for directly financing capital expenditure on infrastructure or servicing the debt raised for infrastructure however by allowing proceeds to be used for management of services as well it dilutes its role as vcf the basic idea of lvc to capture the land value gain in terms of fiscal measure it would imply revaluation of tax base and not necessarily the increase in tax rate however there is a tendency to increase tax rate in maharashtra town planning act has been amended to enhance the rate of development charge where infrastructure projects of vital public importance are being undertaken mr fatak these benefit taxes are levied at the time of uh, granting permissions that's development permissions for new constructions but uh, how about existing buildings are there any fiscal measures that can capture value increase in uh, existing buildings that is true unrealized value increase remains untapped 
however value realized through transaction is captured through stamp duty as a general tax to use it as vcf in nagpur and pune rate of stamp duty has been enhanced like a surcharge or cess to finance metro municipal legislation has been amended to enable state government to levy such additional stamp duty but here again the rate has been targeted instead of separating the tax base increase can we now turn to fee as the third category of fiscal measures our fees different from the general tax or benefit tax fees need to be distinguished from general taxes and benefit taxes proceeds of general taxes can be used for any of the functions of the authority living them for example property tax revenue of an ulb can be used for any of its obligatory or discretionary functions stated in the law in case of benefit tax the proceeds have to be used for defined purpose however there need not be a quid pro quo but in case of fee there has to be a quid pro quo like for example where water meters are installed the user fee is paid for the quantity of water consumed fees at least in theory therefore cannot be used as lvc however it has become customary to account impact fees as lvc and vcf tool <clears throat> impact fees were introduced in us as there was a resistance to increase in property tax to pay for extension of city services <clears throat> to newly developing areas impact fees were therefore imposed on new developments such fees are supposed to pay for the additional infrastructure provided by the authorities us courts laid down rational nexus as the basic principle deciding the scale of impact fees thus impact fee is a cost recovery mechanism and not lvc tool however it can be argued that developers are ready to pay impact fees because there is an increase in land values and therefore it could be included in vcf tools in india as of now there is no legislation that enables levy of impact fees strangely however in ahmedabad charges for regularization of unauthorized construction are called impact fee you have so far described uh, three types of fiscal measures but uh, there are a few more i guess for example how about measures such as uh, regularization charges where do they fit in yes there are some additional fiscal measures but they are not necessarily lbc vcf tools at best they can be called land based fiscal tools since they are widely used they can be briefly mentioned scrutiny fee most agencies charge a scrutiny fee for examining the application for development permission this is a regulatory fee and as has been ruled by the supreme court it can be levied without an explicit legal provision provided that the fee closely reflects the cost of regulation however sometimes state governments increase such fee as if it is a revenue measure regularization charge unauthorized layouts unauthorized development or deviation from building rules occur on a large scale there is a widespread tendency to regularize such development by levying a charge 
once such regularization is accepted instead of being a penalty the charge is seen as a fiscal tool for revenue generation consequently the incentives for strict enforcement of rules or rationalization of rules and procedures disappear sale of additional development rights allowing extra fsi by charging a premium has emerged as a most widely used lvc measure in many cases within 500 meters of metro station fsi is allowed to be increased up to 4 by paying premium which is usually 40 to 70% of annual statement of rates based on the assumption that market value of development right would be lower than that of the land this is almost like selling extra development rights it could then be argued that under indian law the state does not own the development rights they are owned by the land owner state can only impose reasonable restrictions on such rights in public interest but cannot sell them example of sao paulo brazil is noteworthy in this context the city introduced the scheme of certificate for additional construction potential for rc pack the additional rights were sold through auction but this was legally challenged finally it had to be clarified by law that ownership of land included only limited development rights and the state can sell or auction additional development rights but it could also be argued that premium is in the nature of tax and that can be and in that case the provisions will have to follow the canons of taxation uh, this is my final question mr fatak so far you have described uh, the land development and fiscal approaches to lbc can we conclude by briefly discussing the issues and challenges in adopting lvc practices in india yes there are many issues and challenges i'll briefly enumerate them in the land development approach it is important that best market value is extracted this could be done by transparent competitive bidding would this be politically acceptable as a universal practice valuation of land is of key importance valuation has come to rely upon valuation done for stamp duty purposes these are variously called as ready reckoner rates in maharashtra jantri rates in gujarat circle rates in delhi and guidance values elsewhere they are observed to be lower than the real market values and are not revised every year whether valuation for stamp duty purposes will be improved and invariably revised every year is the key issue a theoretical problem relates to the preference of long term tax versus one time levy most lvc tools are in the nature of one time levy since benefits of infrastructure services are going to accrue to consumers over a long period of time the question raised is why should present generation be burdened by a one time levy this issue of intergeneration equity could be sorted out if long term debt funds are available debt servicing could then be financed through user fees and taxes of course at present stage there is no clear answer and a balanced approach is necessary most lbc tools are linked to the real estate market as the real estate market is cyclical and also susceptible to external shocks 
like pandemic, the revenue stream of LVC is not assured. This limits the use as VCF as infrastructure development requires sustained flow of funds. A combination of intergovernmental transfers, debt funds, and LVC VCF has to be planned. LVC, when practiced as fiscal tool, is its incidence becomes an important consideration. Conceptually, the incidence could be on the original landowner, the developer, or the final consumer of floor space. It is usually presumed that the incidence will be on the developer. However, under the present market conditions, the incidence will be on the final consumer. This would result in raising the affordability bar and reducing the consumption of floor space. Finally, LVC has many dimensions such as urban planning, law, and public finance. Design and adoption of LVC tools has to consider all these dimensions. Are we going to develop knowledge to comprehensively consider these dimensions will be the key issue. Thank you, Mr. Fatak. Uh, that was yet another informative session. Thanks again, and thank you all for listening.